Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, or in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine. Grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibrations stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two. One. What is up, all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl, Sapphire. And we're continuing the Pride Month celebration. And it's not on some fake-ass bullshit, okay? Because I know some people out there, especially all my gaybies out there, my trans folks, and everybody else in between celebrating Pride the right way, we are sick and tired of these companies banking on on our lifestyle. But let me just tell you this right now. We are not selling you bullshit. We're giving you straight-ass stories from people who matter in the community who are doing the good work now I don't even know how to introduce this man other than I fell in lust with him over on Instagram like many of these guests that I've been having throughout this quarantine yes I know that you know as of June 15th everybody's saying well fuck COVID we're out of quarantine we're out of this bitch Um, But this entire time, Earbuds, has been great because a lot of the guests that you've been hearing, especially from this month of Pride, a lot of these people I have connected through Instagram. So I want to introduce Ryan Andrews. You may know him as at Ryan Self Care University on Instagram. He is a cur- the curator of the podcast Self Care University, which you can find on Anchor. Also, he is a trauma informed life coach. We're going to get into that sex positive and a trans masculine handsome melanated man mm. <laughs> i mm. couldn't have done it my bit of myself thank <laughs> you <laughs> now as i i told you earbuds and as i like briefly was talking to ryan before the show personally i just thought that this beautiful man in front of me was just a man who really was just sex positive who is welcoming in the community had no idea that you ryan mm. Our trans. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, uh, given given the benefit here, I was stealth for probably about sixteen years, so a lot of people didn't know. Only people who needed to know knew. I actually just kind of brought people into me, maybe September of uh, 2020, when I started my podcast. As a matter of fact, the intro to my podcast was me basically disclosing that I'm a person of transitional experience, and that's the angle that I will always be speaking from. I appreciate that because, again, especially when we on this podcast, we always talk about black identity. Black identity is very strong on this podcast mixed with sexuality. And let's be honest, the black community, when it comes to our trans brothers and sisters, not so much welcoming, not so much welcoming. They don't seem to understand it. And I find it very beautiful that a black man like yourself has been able to feel comfortable in their own skin. Now, I have to say when, you know, I want to talk a little bit about coming out and then we're going to talk about our topics of the night. Now, you said that you didn't start really coming into your own until 2020 and telling people. Was that a reason because you felt that you just weren't able to have that safe space to do so? Or you just, you know, what made you? Well, for one, just a little backstory here. Um, I grew up in Arkansas, so... That, I mean, a very small town population, max maybe 3,000 when I was growing up, you know, on the Bible Belt. So even when I was kind of struggling with my identity and my sexuality and all of that, it wasn't something that you really talked about. Like, you know how everybody, every family has that one gay uncle, quote unquote, and, but, you know, nobody ever really talks about it. It's like, yeah, he never got married. He never had kids, you know. And so one of the things I did uh, immediately once I realized, like, I, I want to break the mold here is I, I left home at the age of 17, as soon as I graduated. And um, still struggled a bit. I still struggled because I didn't have that knowledge. I didn't have that education. I didn't have a way to articulate what it was that I was feeling. And um, went into the military, still couldn't figure it out. Got out of the military, still couldn't figure it out. Um, Just kind of moved around a lot. And it wasn't until I got married. Um, And I got married to somebody who lived a a fairly heteronormative life. really deep into the church and all of that. And I think my light bulb came on in the middle of that marriage. And I was just like, I really don't want to live this 
heteronormative life that I thought I wanted as a man, you know. Um, I think I was still trying to live out, even in my transness, I was still trying to live out that Southern Bible Belt sort of straight and narrow lifestyle. And it just wasn't for me. It really wasn't. Um, but still, even after that, even after the divorce, I still lived a very stealth-ish life because I did it for so long, it was second nature to me. For you know? those for those out there who don't understand what stealth living is, can Stealth you- is basically you don't disclose your, you know, being a person of transitional experience unless you absolutely have to. So a lot of people like to use the word real. And I think it's the word they use in the ballroom scene or passable, and, you know, et cetera. But basically, you just don't tell anybody. I, just, I walked around sister soon um, most of my adult life. Most guys, most people thought I was a, a cis man. Um, and I loved it that way for a while. As a matter of fact, I, I would get, like, petrified if I ever thought that somebody who didn't need it to know uh, would find out just because again it was ingrained in me it was embedded in me from that growing up like that that you know you just don't let everybody know your quote-unquote business <laughs> no absolutely absolutely <laughs> now yeah. with these terms that are you know popping up left and right um i know last week uh naya ho on the go and i we discussed you know talking about being non-binary because they themselves are non-binary and a lot of people are now trying to figure out what does it mean to be transmasculine transfeminine and what is the difference between saying trans man trans woman woman. and i know this is Um, um, this is kind of now diving into what we're going to talk about which is of course we're going to talk about toxic monogamy but also the sexual revolution surrounding trans folks because there is a revolution that is happening it's been happening let, let, let's let not, you know, forget Stonewall yeah. started by two trans women of color. Yeah. Okay? So, yeah. but this revolution now more than ever is becoming more prominent because of our judicial system, because of those who are in office and those who are projecting more than ever these insecurities among trans folk. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, I think I prefer the term transmasculine because, I, I mean, you can use them interchangeably with trans men, transmasculine with me. Uh, I prefer transmasculine just because I'm just not a firm, hardcore person myself when it comes to the binary. You know, I feel like saying trans man kind of puts things back into this binary box um, because you wouldn't say trans non-binary, would you? You know, that's so, true. And there are and there are non-binary trans folk out there. Right. There really so are. I, I kind of stick to the trans mask and they kind of get, and then that one word just makes it easier for me. You know, you're dealing with somebody who's of transitional experience and they're more masculine leaning. To me, it's just a, a convenience. It's like, hey, instead of me having to try to explain, hey, I'm, I'm what they used to call female to male, you know, whatever. I just say, hey, I'm trans masculine. Now, does that mean I'm not feminine at all? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I'm very much in touch with my feminine side, but I'm more masculine leaning. I appreciate that because again, mm-hmm. When we talk about, you know, trans men, trans masculinity, especially, you know, people always assume like, okay, well, they're gay. They, they got those gay tendencies and that's it. Yeah. There's, there's nothing else, you know, and there's no yeah. respect for the fact that, you know, who they are. And, you know, to that point, though, I'm glad that you brought that up because it actually leads to a lot of uh, toxic masculinity amongst trans masculine folks. Because they're trying to play the role that's been placed on them instead of being themselves. So you have these guys who, mostly earlier in transition, because I was one of those people, you know, again, trying to live a very heteronormative lifestyle. I won't do this because it's not masculine enough or it's not man enough. And you'll get these guys who feel like I have to talk this talk and, and walk this walk in order to be able to fit into this role. But you're trying to fit into a role that somebody else created for you instead of being yourself. That's a lot, that was one of the big reasons, I know it probably sounds like a, a bit of self-hate, but one of the big reasons why I was very strategic about a lot of the transmasculine folks I hung around early on is because of that. Because mm. even though I was stealth, one of the things I cannot stand from a, a, a masculine person, period, not just trans folks, is misogyny. I cannot stand it. it and that's one of, the, one of the things I used to say a lot when I was stealth, is that if you ever want me to come out, kiss me off. <laughs> and so that's what would happen a lot of times people would find out find out I was trans because they would piss me off because they would say something like totally ignorant mm. and before I know it I'm going off and I'm telling them well, what do you think about me I'm a person of transitional experience and we've been friends for three four years or whatever blah 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 so that's one of the biggest things like 
trying to fit into that role and just listening to people talk and try to play, I guess, be an actor in a movie that they didn't even audition for. Mm. Like, it's not it's not for you. <laughs> now, you had mentioned that you served in the Army. So were you identifying man then and did people know in the army no so when i joined the army i literally the light the night i graduated i processed out the night i graduated from high school literally walked off the football field grabbed my diploma and went to the army um i was still f identified so female identified um while i was there but as time went on, <laughs> as the universe would have it, people started to kind of pick up on my mannerisms and the, and the way I would act, the stereotypical way I would act. And believe it or not, my drill sergeants actually would refer to me as a guy. <laughs> Even though, wow. you know, I was still soft-faced, you know, every stereotypical woman feature that you can think of, that's what I was, except for my braided hair or whatever, because I thought I thought <laughs> I was going to be in a boy band, but we ain't going to talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, cutting the brow, juicy lips, headband, you know. So it, they, they, were, they would actually treat me like one of the guys, as they would say. And um, I think it was then that my eyes started to open a little bit, but even then I still couldn't articulate what that was. I just mm. thought, oh. They just look at me like the tomboy, you know. It, it really just didn't click. Uh, so I went through the whole military experience, female identified. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I'm glad that, again, you did not face a discrimination either. Because despite yeah. the fact that you, like you said, soft face, for those who don't understand what that means, you know, still having the features before you transition, I guess is the mm -hmm. best way to put it. Um yeah. The fact that you did not face that type of discrimination that you hear about, you know. And keep in mind, this is during Clinton. Mm. Don't ask, don't tell. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a big, again, that is a yeah. huge deal because we've seen, you, you know, we've seen the sexism side in parts of G.I. Jane. We've heard about it. And um, I yeah. want to remember if it was Jarhead, there were some certain scenes of toxic masculinity, but also, you know, how they were treating guys who weren't really guys, you know, per se. Yeah. You know, they weren't yeah. one of the guys. They were too soft. So I'm glad that your experience wasn't, you know, in that traumatic category because, again, that says a lot. Um, and, again, that does not define who you are either. That's just a chapter of your life. So I'm glad that you were able to serve without prejudice because not a lot of men and women who serve can say the same thing. Especially not the trans feminine folk. Yes. Especially not those. Yes. Now let's talk revolution. Um, we've been seen all over the news. And if we choose not to, we see it a lot on social media because a lot of it is not broadcasted. But I want to say over the past, what, three years, two to three years, the level of hate crimes against trans folk, trans people of color especially, has been alarming. Just about the same rate as those that we're seeing getting killed by cops, our black men. Just the same as equivalent to our Asians, bro um, brother and sisters, who are getting, you know, these hate crimes due to COVID, just for being Asian. And yet, again, why do we see our trans men and women who are getting beaten to death, brutally murdered, not just beaten to death, but brutally murdered, you know, getting beaten in the streets, getting yep. robbed at gunpoint, but we're not talking about it. And yet there is a revolution that is happening, but why aren't we hearing enough of it? That's that's the confusing thing for me, because if anything, this Pride Month that we should be doing is putting this out more. I think there's two, especially, I can speak from the black side of it. There's two separate worlds when it comes to, you have black people, and then you have the black people when it comes to queer people. When it comes to the rainbow community, there seems to be a divide, and rightfully so, because you're gonna have that, that black side that says, yes, black lives matter, except, of course, they're not gonna say it verbatim like that, but except these folks over here, because rainbow people are making it harder, right, quote unquote, for black people to get to where they need to go in life. Even though there have been queer people around, since the, the, begin the beginning, since Genesis, you know? <laughs> but 
for some reason, we're making it so hard for black people to get ahead. We're, we're the reason why black men get killed by the police. You know, everything gets blamed on the queer community when really we're leading. We're always on the front lines of everything because as a queer person, especially a queer person of color, when you fight, you fight for the rainbow community and black people. But you can't guarantee that a black person that's not in the rainbow community is fighting for you, the queer person. So that's the that's one big thing. The other thing is I, I live in Louisiana right now. Uh, that's where my, my home address is supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and one of the highest rates of trans feminine people murdered is in Louisiana. Don't know why that is. You know, for that particular state. But I can say that you know one. I think I made a, a few stories about it a few months ago. The thing about it is they always want to put it on being trapped. You know the word, the slang trap, meaning, you know, they didn't know she was trans or whatever. Tri- uh, trick fucking. Be. Trick fucking is what we've trick been hearing, fucking, too. All of this stuff. But if you do your research, you will often find, even from these people's friends, the, the perpetrator's friends, they will tell you this person has been dating this particular trans person for months. Or they've been talking to this person for years. And all of a sudden... They get this fright, what do they call it, a uh, panic or, or gay panic or whatever they want to call it, and then they murder, and then they want to go to the defense of, oh, well, I didn't know that, you know, she was trans or they were trans. It's a lie. It's a lie. And people will take whatever feeds into their narrative and run with it. Do your research. Most of the time, 98% of the time, a murder happens because... It's either because their friends were about to find out that they were dealing with somebody of transitional experience or their family, or maybe they got into an argument and maybe the, 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 the trans person said, you know what, I'm going to tell all your business because they know that's the button they can press that'll hit home. But either way, it doesn't justify somebody being murdered. Absolutely. Now, here here's some things that I was finding out, you know, with the challenges surrounding trans folks, especially. Mm-hmm. One, the lack of legal protection. Okay, there is a huge lack and we've seen it in the news right now. I've been talking about this. Texas was trying to pass a law to rightfully fire somebody who they know is trans just because they are trans or if they know that they're about to transition. They have they want to make the rights under God. That's what they're saying under God, because it's not religiously right that they want to fire trans folks for being their true selves. That's one. Now, despite a Supreme Court decision that made it clear that trans people are legally protected from discrimination in the workplace, there is still no comprehensive federal non-discrimination law that includes gender identity. That means for the people who aren't, you know, savvy. I don't want to say uneducated, but just not savvy because you don't want to listen Gender identity is not just who you identify. It's how we legally categorize folks in community, in the states, by law. So despite, you know, what they were born as, if someone says that they are femme or they are masculine, and yes, they weren't born masculine or feminine, please respect their true gender identity. Mm-hmm. Please. Second off, the violence against trans people. Now, this was taken from HRC back in 2014 and 15. Um, I know the numbers have, of course, started to rise. But at one point, the majority of 54% of trans people have experienced some intimate partner violence. Okay, Mm -hmm. as we were just discussing on top of that, 47 percent have been assaulted in their lifetime and nearly one out of 10 were assaulted, like I said, between 2014 and 15. That says something. Yeah, that is just going along the same category as, you know, cisgenders who are experiencing Mm -hmm. violence at the hands of their partners. But again, like most cases with domestic violence, a lot of it goes unreported. Now imagine the ones that don't get reported in the trans community because already they don't feel respected. Y'all don't feel respected in the communities. Yeah. I can think of one case in particular that kind of hits home for uh, the area of Louisiana that I live in, uh, Shreveport, Bossier, Fantasia Bell. I want to give a shout out to Michael uh, Chisholm real quick, too, because he's been really rallying 
to get justice for Avantasia, but Avantasia was murdered, and they've done little to nothing. They haven't done enough. Let me use that phrase. They haven't done enough to determine who it was, and, and it's because it's somebody prominent in the community. You know, and uh, more than likely a pastor. Um, that's what everybody's surmising. But just little things like that. And, and Vantasia's name probably rings bells for a lot of folks, and then for a lot more people it doesn't. And again, it goes back to what you said, unreported, not really getting national attention. It's like no one cares. No. That life doesn't matter. That no. life doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's the constant, you know, thing that I've been trying to face and trying to, you know, change the narrative because... I do consider myself an ally. I'm not going to sit up here and not have a platform and give, you know, people like yourself, you know, my trans brothers and sisters, people that I have grown fondly. Like, I am dearly fond of you, Ryan, because of the fact that you are living in your truth, despite all the odds. And especially at a time right now, like you said, we are constantly fighting. There's this constant argument in the black community that all black lives matter except for you yeah. know or you as, make it harder yeah and like i i've mm -hmm. been getting into fights on instagram especially on my live when i was going on live a lot um you know there's this one guy in particular he's like no you need to just say all black lives not lgbt and i was like actually no we have to say it because it's y'all that don't want to acknowledge them you choose not to acknowledge us but you love it when black girls kiss each other you love watching your lesbian porn. Yep. And y'all secretly do love the trans community because y'all are the yeah. ones that are fucking it up in the down low culture. Yeah. We've seen it on, you know, series like P Valley. Yep. The Shy. Okay. The Shy, especially, I'm going to keep bringing this up. The Shy has a really great storyline surrounding Jasmine Williams, the actress who is a trans woman in love with um oh my god i'm blanking out on his name he's an artist he was on star but one of the characters he's like a hardcore gangster and i remember the first time that they introduced her character that they were together they're like yo you know that's a dude in a dress that's now becoming the big thing you know and and people are calling him soft but it's like this guy's a hardcore gangster he will fuck you up regardless of who he's fucking he's gonna fuck your ass up and he, he's a ride or die for his woman, you know, and he makes it like it almost if for me personally, I feel like that's the first time that we really see um, black trans voices being resonated in a kind of realistic approach. Yeah, um, um, because usually that narrative doesn't go that way. It's usually no. there's a trans feminine person and there's a guy that's dating her. Even in the, in the movies, because, I mean, Disclosure really touches on that a lot. And then he gets picked on because he's dating a trans feminine person. And then he ends up killing her or, you know, something along those lines. It's very rare that you see somebody sticking up, you know, for themselves and their partner if the partner's trans feminine. So I, I really do. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to get too deep into the shot. I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> well, there we go. Not. I mean, it's not too much of a spoiler alert. But again, it is it's causing a lot of uh, conversation, especially. Um, last night's or last week's episode I haven't seen tonight's episode but I already know there's going to be a huge lead up to something even with Pose I'm really angry have you been watching Pose? I have honey that finale <laughs> I'm just I'm, you know it just irks me because Pose was so revolutionary for the trans community and I feel like the creators just let this last season just just flop. It felt like it felt like they just fell into the tropes of most rainbow community shows. Yes, fell right on into it. I'm like, this one is going to be different, and it was for the first two seasons, and then it just kind of. I mean, it had its it had its like the whole HIV, you know, AIDS thing. I, I understand they had to cover that because of the timeline that they were covering. So, it, to keep the integrity of the show, they had to kind of put that in there. But I was hoping that it would kind of veer off and give us a more victorious sort of story instead of putting us back into the whole, okay, so we die and this happens and that happens. It's like, okay, I, I get it. Can we, can we, can we turn the, 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 the world around and just give us one hopeful ass, you know, trans narrative that doesn't result in 
you know, uh, catastrophic violence or death or, you know, something along those lines? Can we Absolutely. get something that's very wholesome? Even, even just the toss away of, you know, Angel's wedding that turned yeah. into a glee sing-off that was just god-awful. I'm like, yeah. here's something that was revolutionary that they were able to la- allow Angel and Poppy to get married. Married. You know, yeah. despite that Angel did not have female assigned at birth, you know, on the yeah. license. Because back yeah. in the day, y'all, this was still yeah. not legalized. Right. So they kind of just tossed that away. And I'm just like, y'all were so good. You were good. So in, good. You were so good in... in First of all, I've never seen so many trans women and men of color in one production. Behind the scenes, in front of the camera, writing these stories. But to just kind of let it down, it just... I'm so so upset. I'm so upset I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they were rushed through season three. Completely. I'm just trying to give them the benefit of that because it was so good before. It was everything. Like I said, even the parts were just like, okay, this is a little trivial for me, but I understand it makes sense in the context. But the last season is just like, really, y'all? <laughs> really? Honey, honey. I was talking to one of my, my gay friends in DC, and we, you know, he would do the live tweeting during the show, and I would, you know, recap with him on Monday, and I'm just like, Black gay Jesus fix this shit. Fix this shit, please. Because again, you know, again, I keep saying there's a revolution happening. The revolution came to TV. They had it and they lost it. And they lost it. They dropped the ball. They dropped the ball majorly. Now, I will say this the silver lining may be that because Pose did so well, that we'll have, hopefully, we'll have a plethora of shows that come after that. That will center, you know, trans masculine and trans uh, feminine folks. Um, not saying, not saying necessarily that they have to be out and proud in the show itself, because there are some trans masculine folks. You got Marquise Wilson and people like that, you know, playing these roles. But just to have them center, because one of my gripes and complaints, just as a consumer, you know, sometimes I want to see something that, that that shows me me. And there are not a lot of movies or shows that show me a trans masculine guy that's falling in love, it's a hopeless romantic, you know, that, and it has a happy ending. There, there, I can't even think of one. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, you know, the closest thing I could say, I mean, but again, it's more surrounding the gay community, yeah. was Noah's Ark. Yeah, Noah's Ark. Ark with a C, y'all. It's hard to find now. I think you could still find it on YouTube. But Noah's Ark was on Logo back in the day, early like yeah. 2000s. And that was the first time we really saw black gay men as leads, you know, yeah. living in true life. But I was angry because at the same time, we weren't seeing trans black men and women on that show either. You know, right. you know the focus was just solely gay lesbians. Trans didn't really matter. You know, maybe they would say one of the characters because, you know, he presented himself more feminine and would dress and drag sometimes. But no, that does not display the same thing as being trans, you know. And I think that's where the disconnect um, in the straight community, because people just automatically assume if someone dresses in drag, they must be trans. They must be trans. Yeah. And that's not the case. (laughs) That's not the case at all. I would say another great show that came out on HBO Max is called Generation. Now, still, not really a trans voice in it, but they do talk about a lot of queerness in in the teenager community um, centered, I want to say, in L.A. But again, we're not seeing enough trans representation. We're doing better with seeing, you know, more LGBTQIA plus, you know, representation in color, but we got to figure out where to put the T in the revolution. Where is the yeah. T in the revolution? I mean, but hey, I mean, just like we can divide down the black community and say, you know, the rainbow, rainbow folks are separate from, you know, the bigger black crowd. Then you have those people in the rainbow community that kind of push off the trans folks and say, hey, we make it harder for you all as well, because why do you have to transition, et cetera? You know, and you don't know anybody's background. Like a lot of people are intersex, like myself. Um, it's not something that I always, you know, fully disclose. That's why when you asked me prior, before we started, you know, do you identify as female to male? I identify as Ryan, you know, the trans masculine. But then, you know, just to give a better context, most people, you know, 
relate to the term female to male or assign female at birth because I was. Um, but you don't know. When you break it down and you get into the science of things, you don't know what you don't know. So why not just mind your motherfucking business, live and let live. If it doesn't bother you, if, it does, if it's not something that's altering how your life is going, why does it matter? That part. Why does it matter? Why does it matter you saw two guys kiss? They kissed. They didn't kiss you. You know? <laughs> like, what's the problem? Look the other way. You know, what, if you have such a, a big deal with that, then you need to do with yourself. Uh, and that's my biggest thing with, like, black folks in general, in the rainbow community, too. Because I've had some, I've caught hell in the rainbow community just for being trans. And being out and proud about it, you know, or uh, how did I throw my, my whole heteronormative life away and, you know, just not be stealth anymore? Because it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And I knew in my heart of hearts I was an advocate. And in order to be an advocate, you know, rainbow folks don't play. No. We got, if you try to uh, be supportive, we, we need to know what angle you're coming from. And there was no way I was going to be able to be an advocate for the rainbow community and still be as stealth as I was. So I was going to have to make that, that choice. And once I made that choice to say, hey, you know, I'm a person with trans masculine experience. This is my story. And I want I want you to hear other people's stories to hear. It's not always glorious, but it's, all, it's not always detrimental either. It's not always disastrous. It's not always catastrophic. And that's one of the reasons why I started Self-Care University. But to back to my point, I, I've caught hell in the rainbow community uh, from... Just people saying, why Why would you have to transition? Why couldn't you just be this masculine, you know, female-identified person? It's not that. Oh. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's kind of like you want to, like, <laughs> question them. Like, why do you feel the need to call yourself a butch lesbian? Why couldn't you just call yourself a lesbian? Right. Okay, why right. did you have to say that you are stud, you know? Or, right. you know, why do you have to dress that way? Yes. Why do you have to dress masculine if you're a woman? You know, it doesn't make sense. And, it, I and feel if you really break it down, it's really trying to, again, try to fit this role that other people have created. I mean, even with amongst some of the younger trans masculine folks, getting into the whole sexual liberation thing and talking to these younger guys who are like fresher in transition, you can tell that they still struggle a little bit. Getting them to understand, hey, if you like to have front hole sex or whatever you call your front area, that's your business. It doesn't make you any less of whatever it is that you identify as. I'm so glad that you, you brought that up because I feel like that is part of that liberation. Like, it doesn't matter what's below. As I've been telling, that's a tool. That's just a tool. Okay? It is just a tool. Who you are and who you identify with should not be defined by your genitalia. Some people... I don't know, forget. You remember when I posted that picture one time? It was it was an accident. I'm trying to think. People don't believe me, but it was an accident. I had on gray sweats, and my dang on dick print was show. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it was an accident. I think it I really may have was. even... I think I've even commented. I was like, damn, it was I the beard for me. I thought it was just the beard, but goddamn, Ryan. Like, you've been hiding and <laughs> so, holding out. I caught hail from some people in the community because of that picture. Not because I posted, you know, a picture that I actually didn't mean to post. <laughs> but, but it, you know, it had my dick print for, my dick for that day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And they were saying, oh, what is it with uh, trans guys posting pictures of, like, they plastic dick like it's theirs and, you know, all this other stuff. I'm like, first of all, you don't know, I've never talked about my surgeries for real, especially not any bottom area surgeries. It's not something I would, you know, just jump out there and say, but you don't know what I have in my pants, for one. For two, it's not really any of your business. If I wanted to post it and it was in the buff, you know, but for them, if for the trans masculine folks, it was like, well, we already catch enough hell because we're trans. And now here you go posting these thirst trap pictures of your big ass slong hanging down to your thigh <laughs> and trying to get people to come over to you. And, and this is how we get, you know, this moniker, uh, this um, this label, like we're trapping people. I'm like, no, no, because the only the person that I'm fucking with mm -hmm. cares about what that is on my thigh. You know, anybody right. that's not interested, they don't give a fuck about those gray sweats I had on. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, you know, listen, I'm Polly, and we're going to get into this toxic monogamy shit because this kind of goes hand in hand. I'm Polly, and yeah. listen, I'm just trying to line it up. I'm just yeah. trying to line my boobs up where I can get in. 
You know, just shit, Ryan. If I need to go fly out to Louisiana, honey, I'll I'll be on the next flight. Don't you play. Come on. <laughs> I'll come pick you up. Yes. But, like, seriously, it's crazy because it's just like, here we are supposed to be this united front, and yet, still again, within these communities, there's so much discrimination. So much discrimination. But we have to remember that... Again, Stonewall was founded by two women of color, mm-hmm. trans women of color. Gay white men did not start this revolution. Right. Please stop putting this narrative out there, okay? And fuck that movie Stonewall too, because I, I tried to watch it. I tried to watch it, y'all. I tried to. <laughs> I really tried. But again, like Ryan and I have been saying, there is just not enough, you know, like, community of color stories out there that are telling the true narrative okay even with the documentaries you get like one part we get a little bit of marcia we get a little Uh bit of sylvia and then all of it goes back to harvey milk no disrespect to harvey milk but why aren't we getting the full-blown story from our queer black brothers and sisters and uh, tina and latinx community members who founded this you go to the ballroom scene in new york what is the majority of these people in these communities people of color people of color. but you know what i always say i say people of color have the strength to get this shit started and the white folks got the resources to, to get finish it finished it off. and that's why they always get the shine because you had the privilege you had that you're still white you, you have the privilege of having access to all these different resources to get these things going, but somebody has to put it in your ear. Somebody has to lift that weight, and it's usually a person of color. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now let's get into this toxic monogamy. Some people are like, wait, what the fuck is toxic monogamy? What you mean monogamy is toxic? First of all, any relationship can be toxic. It's how you represent yourself in the relationship. But if we're going to talk about toxic monogamy, okay, these ideas are represented as, you know, if you truly love somebody, you will never love anybody else. That's Mm -hmm. one of the traits. Or that the relationship will always come first. Mm-hmm. Okay? And again, people do this in the poly community too. There's toxic polyamory. There's toxic mm-hmm. monogamy. But the fact of the matter is, with these toxic monogamous relationships, especially in the LGBTQ plus IA community, Lord have mercy. You know, it's like you... It's like you're trying to take ownership of someone. Yes. You don't yes. own anyone, no matter what type of relationship dynamic you have. You don't own anyone. And then let me be very clear. This is coming from a mostly, this is my joke, mostly monogamous person. I do believe I could be solo poly. But anyway, <laughs> but um, mostly monogamous person. And I do recognize the toxicity in the monogamous community. I see it firsthand. It's probably like the second thing on my list. Misogyny is one. The second thing is going to be this toxic monogamy thing where you feel like because you're with someone or you're intimate with someone, you own them. Mm. You do not. And we see it all the time on the talk shows. We see them on Maury. You know, it's Mm -hmm. mostly like, I I don't want to throw my black men under the bus, but we do see it a lot. There's a lot of toxic monogamous folks who are black that seem to feel that I mean what was what was homeboy's name um that black dating coach that got exposed for cheating and had his wife in a bonnet yes had his wife in the fucking bonnet if that is not a true sign of toxic monogamy right there I don't know what is and most of the time it's usually these relationship experts and I'm putting in air quotes because Mm -hmm. it usually are it usually is these are these people walking Mm -hmm. around saying how much they have the perfect relationship then you if you find out how submissive as fuck Listen, I'm submissive in the bedroom, but I can assure you, my relationships, poly or not poly, I have a voice, okay? My pussy is my pussy, unless if I say in the bedroom, this is your pussy. And only then, only then, but I am my own fucking person when I wake up 
go to bed. When I die, I'm going to be my own person. And I'll be damned if someone tells me I'm not allowed to look. I can look mm-hmm. and appreciate and still go yeah. home to you and appreciate that shit. And that's mm-hmm. the thing with toxic monogamous folks out there. Y'all like get this little like, I don't want to say, I, I mean, jealousy is a normal thing. Everybody's allowed to get jealous. I'm going to therapy and discussing, you know, jealousy issues and, you know, compersion, which is like, you know, trying to figure out like how to settle it and not see it as the green monster. But the the problem is with when you get to monogamous folks, straight folks, especially, it's like, damn, y'all, y'all can't participate in like if you see a pretty man or a pretty lady down the street, you guys just can't and like just say, wow. That's a gorgeous man. That's a gorgeous man. Right. A woman. You can't. And I've seen it in the streets, like women hitting their men and and men getting all upset. Like, why'd you feel the need to talk to him? Why'd you give him extra mm-hmm. attention? What the fuck? Yeah. He was just saying hi. You know he was flirting with you, don't you? <laughs> oh my god, I hate that shit. I'm like, damn. But you so know, what? Me growing up in in the south, and I can't really speak for our other areas, but I'm sure it happens, especially in black uh, families. Maybe you know, in all families, but you know, you have that. That great grandma and the grandpa and they were married for 50, 60 years and everybody brags about it, but nobody wants to talk about nobody wants to talk about how grandpa had, you know, five or six outside children and all of that. Not saying that people don't have their, you know, their thing or their their hang up, but that kind of falls into that same thing of being, you know, that toxic monogamy because they don't want to get divorced. Yes, it's always you own this person now. You own the person, <laughs> you want to stick you you got to stick it to the family. You got to keep the family yes. first. In fact, that's mm-hmm. actually one of the other toxic traits. It's that, you yeah. know, you feel that your romantic partner, who you're with for life, they have to mm-hmm. cover all bases. And for me, all I'm bases. like, fuck that. There's always going to be something that one of our lovers may never fulfill. That's why I love and hate being poly, because at the same time, yes, there are days I feel that I'm not enough for my partners. But at the end of the day, I know that there is something that I'm fulfilling with them because otherwise we would not be together. We would not be together. And if I'm focused so much on the negative side, that's not building a relationship at all. And that kind of puts me into my life coach mode, too, because... Especially the trauma-informed part, because one of the things that makes monogamy a little toxic is we're expecting that partner, like you said, to fulfill every possible need, emotional, whether physical need, whatever we have. And those needs sometimes are rooted in what you didn't get as a child. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for mom and dad and your partner. Mm. And it's not there. You have to figure out a way to fulfill those parts. And let your partner do what they do. You know, of course, you're going to talk through some things and you're going to let them know your needs and, and your wants and desires. And as much as I have a little bit of a disdain for uh, Iyala Van Zandt, she said something that was spot on. She said, once you tell somebody what you need, want, or desire, and they do not fulfill it, it's because they could not do it or they did not want to. That's it. And, and it's up to you what you decide or how you decide to deal with that. But expecting your partner to be the mom that you never had or the dad that you never had or the sibling that you never had, that's near impossible. That's that's not a standard that you should ever have set in your mind. That's what therapy is for. And I don't feel (laughs) that's healthy either. It's not healthy to find... Like, yes, we all seem to, you know, find relationships where there are Mm. those traits of like, oh, fuck, I'm really dating my father or I'm dating my mother, you know. But at the same time, like you said, we cannot be dependent. Like, that's why I Mm. cannot stand these relationships. And I'm I'm, it doesn't matter if they're monogamous, you know, polyamorous, whatever you want to call it, even open relationships. But we see it, you know, where, like you said, you're you're. That, that man or that woman is literally the parent. And it's mm-hmm. like, at what point do you wake the fuck up and be like, oh, this ain't it. And I, I want to be clear. This comes from somebody who absolutely lived that life. I was that person that was searching for partners that was, of course, you didn't articulate it that way. You're looking for that nurturing partner that, you know, that, uh, what's that love language, um, acts of service, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. You're, you're looking for that. And, and it finally clicked for me. I'm like, the reason why my partners always seem to quote unquote let me down in certain departments because they're not my parent and I'm I was missing that piece 
because, you know, my mother who was who she was and my father wasn't there, I was looking for a parent and a partner. I couldn't articulate it then, but once I started, you know, really talking about it in therapy, that's what it came down to. I'm looking for something in someone else, and they don't owe me that. Absolutely. They don't owe you that because also, if you depend upon so much, like, if it's okay to be dependent to an extent in mm-hmm. your relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it draws the line with monogamy versus polyamory. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about polygyny because that is not my lifestyle. But when it comes to be between the monogamous and the polyamorous side, when you're poly, you do have to kind of learn how to be alone by yourself. Mm-hmm. When you're monogamous, monogamy and monogamous people do not like being alone. And that's why you have the the term of like a serial dater, a dater. Mm-hmm. With Polly, not so much. There's not so much of that serialness because at the end of the day, you know, you have to understand that in this polyamorous lifestyle, you know, you might have your life partner, but you might have the partners that come and go. There's different levels, you know, there is a hierarchy. Though I personally do not like a hierarchical relationship, that happens. You know, one person fulfills this need or one person has this more this type of love versus the type of love that I may have for the next partner. But when you're monogamous, it's like we all become so dependent on that one person because we always jump into, okay, we started dating. Now, all right, we got to buy the house. Mm-hmm. We have to have the yep. kids. We have to have the four dogs. And it, it doesn't have to be that way. If you are that dependent on your relationship, if you are in a very dependent relationship, chances are that relationship is not going to survive. Because at the end of the day, if you're dependent on them, what if they what do they have to depend on you? What if they need something from you to depend on, but you can't offer that because you expect to be served. You expect gifts. You expect, mm-hmm. well, you're my man, you're my woman, you're supposed to do this. They don't have to do a goddamn thing other than fucking respect you. Sex is then, not guaranteed. It, and then up to that point, you know, a lot of times people put themselves in these predicaments because when they got with the person, the person was just like this. And all of a sudden, because you're monogamous or you're exclusive, now you're expecting all these things that this person never showed you before. Why? You wanted them to just kind of pull it out of their ass? This is not who they were. You being exclusive does not make this person automatically, like I like to say, automatically become who exactly who you need them to be when you need them to be that. I need us to stop depending on what we see on social media and what these celebrities do. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, what do you mean you expect me to buy you a Rolex for Christmas? What do you mean I have to, at a certain point in our relationship, you got to buy me a car? If I don't get a mm-hmm. Tiffany's break, like the fuck, go buy your own shit. If you got a thousand dollars in the bank, you go spend that thousand dollars. You know, people ask me all the time, like, oh, your man must have money. And I was like, no. Why? And I was like, if we want to splurge on, on each other, we reasonably, we, we negotiate. We reasonably splurge on each other. And people think yeah. because you're in a polyamorous relationship, you must be the sugar mama, sugar daddy. And it, it's not like that. Oh, it's my n- favorite is people think, you know, poly is just about sex. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> not. As I keep telling folks, you know, sex in any relationship, sex and monogamy should not be guaranteed. Sex and polyamory is not guaranteed. And in fact, there are polyamorous relationships, as I've been stating, there are polyamorous relationships that are non-sexual, that are asexual, you mm-hmm. know, that they just want the partnership, you know, the yeah. extra being like you don't have. It's not all about sex. Now, granted, yes, my pussy sore because I went to a sex party yesterday. <laughs> First one out of COVID and Lord Jesus, I did some things I would have never thought. I like uh. I I did like a debriefing last night with my partner in the shower. And, you know, he kept saying he was like, damn, you you really went out of your comfort zone like you you became this whole different sapphire last night i i normally only play with my own like polypod not yeah. to digress but this all this also goes into the whole um toxic monogamy i'm in a relationship with a man and a woman 
Um, and both of my partners, including my my partner's, my girlfriend's partner, her boyfriend, I'm in a relationship where we are free to love and be who we are. You know, there is no like, oh, you can only play with girls. Mm. You know, and there's a lot of that. We see that a lot. Yeah. Even in monogamous relationships, when you start opening up the bedroom for a threesome, it's, oh, oh no, it has to be with a girl. If we're going to have a threesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, you you have to let me fuck the other girl. Yep. But it's never about the female's pleasure and vice versa. There are women out there who want to have a threesome, but then they're like, no, no, baby, I can only touch her. Right. Okay. Right. So there, there's that toxic part. And so I'm happy that I'm able to go to these parties and kind of like root my partner if they want to go off and, and do something. In fact, there was mm-hmm. a moment where we were going into a room and I thought it was going to be just like the four or five of us. And it actually turned out to be like eight people in a room. And so my partner and I and the girl that we invited you know, I could tell she was not comfortable because there was some bit of disclosure that needed to happen. And I caught that right away. And I was like, you know what? Let's go find another room. She's like, are you sure? Like, I don't want to. I was like, trust me, my other partners are going to be understanding. They understand. Because I, too, yeah. like, if it's a new setting, I don't like a big group orgy on first you know, yeah. notice. You know what I mean? So there's that part where it's like a positive type of relationship reinforcement where one partner recognizes like, yo, my partner's in distress. Let's go take this to another room. Let's, you know, digress, figure out a game plan and then go from there. And I think right. that's where it gets toxic in some relationships. It's that we are scared to confront our partners in fear of a breakup. And that's something that I'm even personally learning that not every check in. Not every stern conversation will lead into a breakup. It's just, hey, I got to figure out where your head's at. And we need to start taking that into, you know, um, into account for what's happening. And I think that's where the toxicity lies in a lot of these monogamous relationships is that we may think we knew who we got into bed with, (laughs) but we did not ask all the questions before we got hypnotized by the dick, the pussy or whatever the gender may be. Or feeling like you can change people because you're Ooh. tired. You know, people get tired of the, and I get it. You know, especially in the age of social media, it's a. I I can honestly say, um, little secret of mine, I had never had a dating life prior to this past the end of last year. Oh wow! Before that, before that, it was always oh I just happened to meet somebody and we end up together. I never had a full-on, let me go on a date with this person. Let's see how that works. I never did that. It's very new for me. This is one of the reasons why I joke about maybe I could be solo poly. But, um, um, because I like it. You know, I like to have different, you know, um, people with different personalities. And I'm like, oh, I'm loving this. And I'm making friends, you know, even if it doesn't work out. Um, but what I'm saying, though, is you, you get this, you get tired of dating in the age of social media because everything is down to instant gratification. You get into an argument with your partner, the first thing you do is you unlock your phone, and maybe you didn't have any intentions of going to look for anything, but if you open up Instagram, it's a bunch of fine-ass people. You know, you open up Facebook, it's a bunch of fine-ass people. Your DMs are blowing up because of the last picture you posted, and it's, it's nothing for somebody to just open up and be like, yo, shorty, what's up? You know, or, oh, you still trying to come through? Even if it was three months ago, hey, you still trying to hook up? Just because you're mad, you know? And what happens is these people, and it goes, there's so many branches to this, but these people get tired of dating, so they settle in on somebody, say, oh, easy enough, I'll I'll deal with them, and try to change a person. You're trying to make you a person, and it doesn't work like that. I understand you're frustrated, you've been dating for three, four years, every relationship just ends terribly or whatever, but you cannot create, you cannot, it's not Build-A-Bear. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god spot the fuck on it's you not you can't change people now it's one thing to get with somebody and you both have open communication and you come to an understanding you say hey this is what I want out of a relationship this is what you want hey let's try to work towards something and you keep that line of communication open it's another thing to get with somebody and say it's a list of red flags whether you know they be like a negative person or not they could be the best person in the world just not for you but you're, you're insistent upon changing them to be perfect for you, and it just doesn't work that way. And I think in monogamy, that's an issue, and even in poly. And then speaking of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have these people who 
oh, well, every person I've been with cheated on me anyway. I might as well just go ahead and be poly. Oh, okay. So for, first and foremost, that last comment, I'm gonna need to peep, I need y'all to stop doing that because one, you come around my way and you were like, oh yeah, I want to be in this poly lifestyle. I was like, oh really? Do you know like the first steps? Do you understand what it takes? Do you understand that you know I may not be on the same level that you want to be? Do you understand that I do have a life partner that I am in love with? That no matter what happens. I'm that that person's going to still be around. Yeah. Can you be comfortable with the fact that if I'm having a threesome and you're not included, are you going to be are you going to be okay with that? Yeah. Cuz you're going to have to be. And I'm not like trying to set like this this like law and reason down, but just because I'm poly does not mean, you know, especially when it comes down to sex, that you're going to be included in the sex all the time. Unless if we discuss that. Now, me, I like to be a voyeur, and my partners know that. So there are times if they invite me, I just want to watch. Cheer my partner on. Let me give you the condoms. Let me give you some extra lube. You want some water? You need to hold my leg? I was getting fucked by a fuck machine, and I had all three of my partners holding me down. Where was I? (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like, it's that support. And then going back to, you know, the uh, monogamous part, Again, if you are, like you said, if you have all these red flags against the person that you so-called love, you don't love them. You love the idea of them, but you don't love them for who they are. Because if you're counting all the fucking red flags, that means, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. I I, no, I can't get with this. Oh, they're by. There's always that one, too. Men, yeah. men especially, I'm going to need you to understand if your girl, if you love this partner that says that they're bisexual, then you need to understand that there are going to be days that needs that you cannot provide. They will yeah. want to experiment and go outside of the relationship. Now, I'm not saying to go outside of the relationship and cheat. I'm saying they're going to come to you, rightfully so, as most bisexual men and women do. And they will tell you. But if you are in a monogamous relationship as a bisexual and you are going under the radar and straight up cheating because you're trying to get needs met, you don't really love that partner. You don't either you don't love that partner or you're not opening your mouth and communicating. No. And again, that's part of a toxic trait of monogamy. That's Mm -hmm. a toxic trait of monogamy because then you are not fully loving your partner for who they are and what they bring to the table. And I don't want to hear this bullshit like, yeah, she says she's bi or he said he's bi, but, you know, I didn't really think of anything with it. No. If they told you that they are something, you need to understand that and you ask questions and you negotiate. It is okay to negotiate in relationships. I don't understand why people think negotiating in relationships is a bad thing. They don't talk. Yes. They don't want to talk. They don't, anything that, that requires a little bit more negative energy than what they what they would consider negative energy. Because to me, communicating doesn't have to be negative. No. I can come to... It could be something that may, you know, put me on pins and needles for a moment. The topic may. But I do know that I don't give you a fair chance if I don't talk about it. That. <laughs> and there are such things as relationships where people do not fight. Do I fight with my man's suit and tie? We really don't fight because we are very transparent. There are times when we might not see the eye to eye and there might be like a couple, you know, minutes or not hours of silence. But, you know, there's a time where it's like, OK, I'm going to go upstairs. You you go downstairs or you, you go out and do what you need to do. And we're going to check in. We're having a check in on Wednesday. You know, check ins are not bad. I want people right. to start normalizing check-ins even in monogamous relationships. But that's the thing, though. If you if you normalize check-in, then when you it's time to have those heavy conversations, they won't be as heavy. No. Because you're not just talking anytime something's bad you're, or something's wrong. You're talking all the time. All the time. <laughs> and that's why I'm just like, yo, you got to communicate to your partner. Because, again, if this is supposed to be a life partner, if this is supposed to be your wife, your husband, whatever, if you want this person around longer Even open relationships, non-exclusive relationships should have check-ins. If you have the word relationship entitled to somebody and you like the person who you're around with, you got to check in. You got to check check in. in. 
you got to communicate and that's where you get rid of the, the toxic relationships there's no idea of a perfect relationship but you make it what's perfect between you and whoever else is involved that's exactly. how you get rid of the toxic environment the toxic mm -hmm. green monster that lies lingering mm -hmm. around yep that's how you you stop potential cheating okay yeah or catch it or catch, catch it, it. <laughs> okay don't just go into the phone first of all i need people to stop doing that in 2021 stop going through your partner's phones their emails their facebook and i don't understand this as we in wrapping can we stop asking other people not involved in the relationship to dig into your relationship? Stop asking. If your partner has like brothers, sisters, cousins that you're close with, don't slide in their DM and ask them. Ask directly the, the source. And also, to your point, I'm glad you brought that up. Stop putting everybody in your business everybody does not need to know everything that goes on in your relationship and listen i got some ride or die friends and even with my ride or die friends there are certain things i am not absolutely not going to tell them about my relationship because first of all these motherfuckers will roll up <laughs> <laughs> so that's for that point alone i can't tell them everything and then on top of that Especially if you know that friend. Now, everybody needs a confidant. I'm a firm believer in that. Because if you don't have confidence or, or a source to go to, what you'll do is you end up putting that load on your partner and it's not for them to carry. Absolutely. You do need that person to, you need that outside person to talk to, whether it's a person that's a voice of reason or whatever the case may be. But there are just certain people and certain things you do not say. Because it leads to more toxicity in your own relationships. Even if you're a poly, there's just certain things you don't tell one partner, especially if you know they're not in the same pot about another. Because you build you build up this negativity, you build up this negative energy, and then it comes to a head. And then you're looking around like, what happened? Well, you should have checked in with them. Instead of going over here, always talking about what's going on, what's going on, your partner had no clue. Because let's be honest. Did. Yeah, because yeah. telephone, telephone mis miscommunication happens. Because you may yeah. say something to one partner, mm -hmm. and they think that they are rephr rephrasing it right. Then they mm -hmm. verbal it, you know, verbal it off to someone else. We all mm -hmm. played the telephone game. Yep. It's not all the time we're all gonna get the same message. Exactly. It's always gonna be, you know, some some part of the detail is missing. So that's mm -hmm. why you gotta go directly to the source. Directly yeah. to the source. It, it and again, it doesn't matter if you're monogamous, monogamous, polyamorous, mm -hmm. open, exclusive, non-exclusive, solo poly, it does not matter. In your relationships, yep. you have to have that transparency. If it makes you that uncomfortable, you're not ready to be in a relationship. Because that means you're not comfortable with yourself. Yes. You're not comfortable with yourself. Well, Ryan, oh my goodness. Baby, you know I love you. I appreciate I you. you. Um, where can people get more fix of you, Ryan Andrews, Mr. Self-Care University? Where can they find you? What's coming up for you? Because I know you do a lot for the community throughout. So what you got coming up? I am mostly on Instagram right now. I took a bit of a, a sabbatical, if you will, because I did the uh, self-care uh, university live series on Instagram. Um, all of those episodes were transferred over to my podcast as well. So right now you can catch me on my Instagram page, Ryan Self-Care University. I think that's the full name. Yep. Uh, I don't have any updates coming up until after July. Ooh. I just needed a break. <laughs> I needed a break. So after my birthday, when I turned 36, I'll be doing a little more, you know, community work and things like that. Um, I'm moving around a lot right now. I'm trying to move from one state to another, and I'm also traveling a lot. So I have a lot on my plate, but when I, any, anybody that knows anything about me, once I start doing something, I don't know how to stop. <laughs> so I had to take a break. But, yeah, catch me on Instagram, Ryan Self-Care University. You catch all my shenanigans. Um, you're not going to get the full gist of me unless you watch my stories as well. <laughs> because sometimes I just go into my rants and my stories and I just let it expire after 24 hours. But you can catch my old reels from my Self-Care University live series where I interview people talking about their lives. Mostly um, everybody was in the queer community. Um, and just talking about just healthy stories. And I'm just funny as fuck obviously so <laughs> yes you are funny and fucking real fucking real real deal over here yes 
Well, Ryan, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Earbuds, remember next week, there will be no earplay, of course, because we got to honor the the father figures. And I say father figures because not everybody has fathers, you know, that they were born to. And, you know, that is the unfortunate thing. So I'm saying we're going to honor the father figures just like we honored the mother figures last month. So we're going to take a break on the 20th and coming back to close out our Pride series with Ayana. Now, Ayana, oh, my goodness. She is amazing. Okay, you may have seen her on earplay i share a lot of her posts um ayana talks sex with the three in the sex replacement but ayana is also a sex blogger sex positive blogger um nb consent educator so we're we're gonna get into some great things to close off the month so again i want to thank all the earbuds who have been just countlessly supporting this podcast y'all are really digging into the archives and i really want to say thank you thank you thank you thank you we are now close to 50,000 monthly subscribers with no help of social media i'm gonna reiterate that now with zero help of social media because fuck instagram even though we are on Instagram at Sapphire's Earplay. So I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the earbuds out there that have continuously rocked with us since the get-go. And of course, remember that safe sex is the best hot sex. Till next week, slide, um, sorry, till in the next two weeks, slide in my DMs at Ms. Radio Sapphire at Sapphire's Earplay. Good night. That was the show, all you sexy motherfuckers out there. Now remember, Ms. Radio Sapphire on Instagram, Twitter. For more earplay fun, go to iTunes, all podcasting platforms.